Welcome to That's So Hindu, podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. In this episode, Sheetal Shah is speaking with Australian film director Ravi Chand about his latest project, Namaste Yoga. Hope you enjoy it. Namaste, Ravi. So nice to have you on our podcast today. Thank you for joining us. Namaste. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I'm so excited about the upcoming release of your newest film, Namaste Yoga. This film touches upon so many important themes in 20 minutes or so, you know, from the struggles that immigrants face in retaining their traditions, their values, while trying to assimilate in a new culture, to the appropriation of yoga, to the interconnectedness of Hindu spiritual practices like yoga and Bharatanatyam and puja. Uh, I think Namaste Yoga pulls all of this together so beautifully, so seamlessly. So thank you for making this and thank you for letting HAF be a part of this. I'm so excited. No, thank you for having me. I also want to recognize the um, the acharyas that were involved in this, the elders that were involved in this, the community that was involved in this, in the cast and crew. It wasn't you know it's it wasn't just me. It's just um, this couldn't happen because of the without the work of those that have come before us like our ancestors and also of those that are continuously putting themselves out there on the line to be able to have this message go out there so um i really pay respects to them as well that's wonderful so let's just start at the very beginning why did you decide to make this film um i guess it's just that lived experience of uh, I we migrated. I was born in Fiji, of Indian heritage. Migrated to Australia in 1982, and at that time in Australia, it was in. I mean, Australia can be a very racist country, but at that time it was really bad. Um, seeing a person of color, let alone someone that was Indian, was really a novelty for me. And in school, like I was literally one of only two people of color in like a, a junior school of like 500. And so the racism I faced was really quite brutal um, and that continued to high school, you know, sometimes getting up to 10 fights a week when I you know, started off in a private school, which is just the most racism I ever faced and then went to a state school after that because of the amount of racism I was facing. Um, and then I guess going into adulthood, it's just I guess it's like this continual um, punch in the shoulder that, you know, um, I found it uh, the best way I've heard racism described is, you know, and, and microaggressions described is if you get punched in the shoulder one time, you know, and someone sees you getting punched for once, it can seem like if you react in such a large way, people can see, think like it's an overreaction. What are you talking about? But if you're being punched in that same spot over a thousand times with the same intensity, someone even touches that lightly, that's going to be a sore spot and you are going to react. And I felt like I had no outlet. I felt like as a kid growing up, I knew the things that were being said to me were incredibly racist. I knew they were wrong. I knew they were making fun of me, but I had no language to fight back. And that stayed with me until adulthood because I kept, it wasn't so much the moment that um, the ra- I felt racism, it was the ongoing issues that I faced where I was like, why didn't I? Why didn't I speak up to that? Why? Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say that? And I beat myself over and over and over. And the next time something happened, I'd be like, "Why didn't I speak up? Why didn't I?" Say-? Because I didn't have the language for it. I hadn't 
being educated properly in the complexities of the things and and how to talk about those things, particularly to people that were racist and whether to even engage with those sort of people. And so for me, particularly growing up in Australia, you know, the first time I saw Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom, I thought, oh, my God, they're talking about Kali Mata. I got so excited. And then I just remember feeling just gutted. Like I'm like, I remember thinking like, is this what they really think of us? Like, is this what they think of me? And, like, we don't eat monkey brains. Like, it's, it's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing that I've ever seen. And then, you know, people of our generation would understand the impact that Apu from The Simpsons had. And everyone thought that that's what we were actually like. Like, they didn't think it was a caricature. They thought that's what we were like, and they treated us as such. And so... I create work, and Namaste Yoga is one of many that to follow, but I create work so that our kids don't have to feel the way I felt growing up. Um, that self-loathing, that hiding your culture, that removing it bit by bit so that you could just survive and just be. Um, it was really difficult, and it's very um, distinct of being a person of colour, an immigrant uh, Hindu in a Western country. It is a very unique dynamic and it is relentless. Um, so I wanted to give something to kids to understand that they can be the hero of their story, that, that they can see themselves as the hero of the story. The representation on screen is exactly what their life would be like or interpretation of it where they can really feel like that's me. And the strength that those characters have came through their connection to Hindu Dharma, the connection to an Indigenous, very detailed Indigenous knowledge base. And so for me, that was the reason why I wanted to do that. A lot of it is based on my life and some of the things that actually happened in there were exactly what happened in my life. Um, and so I just wanted to show children that, you know, I'm an adult and I'm still grappling with those sort of things. So the way that they're feeling, is totally normal and hopefully this will help them to heal. And then I've, I've, and, and it's, we're finding that it's actually helping adults to heal as well because it's things that they've gone through in the first time that they're feeling like, oh, my story's being told. So it was done for a healing for our community as well as, you know, I guess for our children mainly. Yep, I completely relate. I mean, as, as an immigrant um, growing up, I grew up in the South um, and I was, you know, one of maybe two Indian kids in my middle school. And there, you know, we get to this point where they're teaching about Indian Hinduism in the classroom. And the textbooks were awful back then. Um, and, you know, they're a little bit better now, but, you know, it was sort of this caste, cows, monkey god sort of explanation of Hinduism. And as a kid, when you don't have the resources, you just kind of want to slink down into your seat and pretend like you don't you're not there in that classroom. So, you know, this is a, certainly a universal thing that happens. Um, but I want to take a step back for people who are listening to this, who have not had the benefit of seeing the film yet. Maybe in your own words, you could give a synopsis of what the film is about, because we're talking a lot about racism, but they're hearing a film called Namaste Yoga. So I want to make sure that our listeners get the connection between the two. Sure. So Namaste Yoga is um, a, film, a story about a boy, a 10-year-old boy named Shiv who 
he's ashamed of being Indian, ashamed of being Hindu. And when he gets into a fight at school with a bully, he the only way that he can avoid suspension is by doing mandatory lunchtime yoga classes. And then we cue his homeroom home teacher, Miss um, Blanche, who has done a 200-hour yoga course and is a self-proclaimed yoga guru. And so it talks about the appropriation of yoga as an Indigenous knowledge and the effect that that appropriation can have on the self-worth of young Hindu kids and Indigenous children around the world when their culture is appropriated, commoditized, and then sold back to them. And I, the themes that are in there, uh, we were talking about before how it came from my life, the two, there's two main characters. They're twins, Shiv and Kali. And there's that, and everything is on purpose. Like Shivagan and Kali Mata Maisht. And um, I was driven by a devotion to them and a seva to them and to our community to make this. And that's what kept me going through this. And so Shiv and Kali are two sides of my personality growing up. Shiv just wants to blend in. He just wants to go under the radar. He doesn't want to have all this fighting going on. He's really sweet. But when he snaps, he really snaps. And that's the personality of Shuji. Whereas Kali is really fierce. She will defend her culture, defend who she is without a drop of a hat. She'll be the first one there to fight for her brother. But with that comes, and as it did with me growing up, when I got back home from doing all of that, I was exhausted. I was emotionally drained. I just had no energy to study. I had no energy to do anything. Um, I just went into a shell of myself. So this is what you see through the um, story as it unfolds. And I guess for me, the background to it as well, you, you come into the story, and I'm not giving away too much, um, is that you find out at the beginning the mother is no longer there. The mother has passed away and the house is very dark and empty and the family's not connected. So a week from my um, 11th birthday, my, my, sorry, my 12th birthday, my mother passed away in a car accident. And my process of assimilation into Western culture went into overdrive when she left this world because I just didn't have a place of where to connect, where to belong. And like with Shiv, whenever I thought of anything to do with Indianness or our culture, like it reminded me of mum not being there. And so I hated that. And so I just, I know now what I was trying to do is mask that away. Um, you know, and so you see that in the characters and, and, um, you see that struggle coming through the characters as well. Um, there are, so here in Australia, back in 1982, there was no black or brown. We were black. Like everyone, a person of color was black. And so as we got more into, older, um, older, we realized, I realized that, okay, I wasn't black anymore. And I was like, okay, I was being called brown. Okay. What does that mean? Um, and I guess that process of assimilation, like, 24 years after mum had passed away, I realised what a mistake I'd made when I found that my maternal grandma, my nani, who I thought had passed away decades ago, was still alive and waiting for me in the same house in Fiji. And because she accepted me for who I was, uh, because I was a blood, it's the first time I felt that kind of unconditional love in such a long time that I started questioning 
where did we come from? Where, how did we get here into Fiji? And that process of trying to find out all that information was really difficult online. Like there's things that are so much from a Western perspective and a colonized perspective of what yoga was about. And that's what I knew about being Indian. Yoga was out there so much. And so I looked into that and even asking questions in groups. Like I, I got really heavily abused and berated for just asking questions. But luckily I came across some elders that helped me to really decolonize and look at our, our, our knowledge base from an indigenous knowledge base. And that's when the light bulb started coming on. And that's when I, you just, you just, your Atma can feel the truth when it hears it. And I started hearing that. And then I just reconnected and connected to everything. And I guess I wanted that same experience for those children that are feeling like they need to feel ashamed of who they are. I wanted them to feel what that was like to reconnect back to that and, and to be, and that to be your strength, that what that feeling can do for you to rise above that noise of Hindu, uh, of, of, not only Hindu phobia, but also racism of, of bullying, of everything. It'll give you that strength. So that's, that's essentially. Um, a lot of the themes that you see running through Namaste Yoga. Actually, one of my one of my favorite um, favorite vignettes in the film is probably somewhere in the middle where the father and the son are sitting together in the puja room, um, and you know you have these beautiful murtis um, that are on the wall. It's just it's a magnificent setup, and you know the son is is coming into the father and he's saying something to the extent of you know I really want to be strong, and he wants to do his push ups. And, you know, he's looking at his father and saying, you know, how did this yoga where you're just kind of standing on your head make you so strong? And his father says to him something so profound. He says something to the extent of you find strength in stillness. And I thought, what a beautiful description of yoga. You know, my yoga teacher of 13, 14 years is always reminding us to focus on being still in the asana because, you know. In this day and age, what yoga has become, it's so easy for students to want to stretch a little deeper, you know, one more inch, one more inch, one more inch. And we forget that that's not the goal of yoga, right? We're looking for, for stillness inside. And when we're so used to moving around all the time, it's actually very challenging to be still. And so, you know, of so many wonderful things in that film, that moment was just so profound for me. Yeah, thank you. I, I I do love that conversation as well. Like, and it it gets to the essence of what yoga is about. And the way that I wanted to put that forward was that, you know, it's not this toxic masculinity of a father berating a son of this is how you have to be. It is done with such gentleness and such care and such emotion that that is strength in itself. Like that's that's how we should be talking to our children. And so. The, the, I think, yeah, you, you're right with the line he says, um, in stillness is where you'll find your strength. And that's because there's this notion of yoga is something that you get to a point of being. Like there's a point that you can stretch, you can do this, Aston, you can do this. It's a point. But yoga is not about that. Yoga is about being. Yoga is, there is no end point to it. Um, you can't say you do yoga. Your, your, everything is yoga. It's not just asanas. Yoga is the way. And that's why we have like a, a, a um, but a dance piece in it. 
because Bharatanatyam is another version of yoga. The way that the father talks to his son and his dharma in his Hindu dharma is part of his yoga as well. That's another version of yoga. So there's so many different aspects to this um, where I wanted to really come through without it seeming like that people were getting a lecture was that yoga isn't just the asanas. Yoga isn't just postures. Yoga isn't just about fitness. The fact that it's you have Instagram accounts that are about the most twisted pose you can get to is the very opposite of why yoga was created. Uh, and so we're coming from it from an Indigenous point of view as well because you, you can understand from an Indigenous point of view why that handing down from a lineage, from a handing down from an elder with the permission to teach is very, very important because there are so many aspects of this that if you get it wrong, you can cause other people damage. Um, and so we wanted that to be very particular as well. And also, you know, this is the way that Indigenous knowledge systems work is that it's not something that you can just take and make it into Zumba. And that's what's happened with yoga. Um, it is like taking a Native American or a, a, an Indigenous dance, sacred dance, and you, and you put it into Zumba and then making money off it. That's the exact opposite of what we wanted to show. So in that dialogue with the son, uh, we wanted to show the children a real tender moment of, you know, being still. And by being still, we also were alluding to don't chase this, I have to, sometimes when you meditate and you get to that point or when you do yoga, you get to that point of stillness and you're, you've, you can be in that state where you're just still and there's no thoughts, there's no nothing. The next time the ego wants you to keep chasing that and it keeps saying, I've got to get to that, I've got to get to that same thing again. And that's, what not, that's not what yoga is about. It's about whatever connection that you have with Paramatma and consciousness is, is, is whatever is presented to you and you be still in that. So that's what we wanted to get across as well. Yeah, I think you do it in a, in a wonderful way, in a very non-preachy way which I really appreciate and I think will resonate with a lot of people. And, you know, amusingly enough, um, you know, we launched uh, a Take Back Yoga campaign about in 2008. And, you know, it, we weren't really taking it back from anyone, but the idea was that yoga is more than asana and is rooted in Hindu philosophy. And that's what we were trying to promote. And um, the funny story is last night on Jeopardy, Take Back Yoga actually was the uh one of the clues um on there <laughs> so you know it's kind of, it was it was kind of funny it just appeared <laughs> but i want to go that's so wonderful go sorry ahead. i was gonna say that's so wonderful when that happens yeah <laughs> yeah it was actually the daily double like not even just, just a regular clue it was like the daily double <laughs> yeah. um i wanted to go back to a little bit more about the Parthnatyam aspect of the film because it does play a significant role uh, throughout the film. And you can see the connection that both the children have to it as well as what came from the mother. And I know that you spent a lot of time uh, making sure that the details that went into the presentation of the Parthnatyam were spot on. Maybe you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of work that was done with the Parinatyam Acharyas, um, not just as wise of um, just going, okay, so what's the choreography 
to be or, or how are they going to look? Before we even started that discussion, we had several hourly long, several hours of what is the history of Pernantum? Where did it come from? We went into Devdasi. We went into it as, as how it changed to Pernantum and why that happened and why it needed to do that to survive. How then would that appear for the character of Radha? That's the mother in the story. How would that inform her practice and how she does it? And how would she teach that to her children? What would she teach to her children? And so we discussed that. And part of the reason why we wanted to have that in there was that so Banatham is the thing that connected the two children together. If you think of children just being children, particularly twins, fighting all the time. And so Carly and Shiv. Coming in unison is the way that the mother would have taught them choreography to unite them together. And so it's a special bond between mother and her children as well. Um, and I guess when the mother has passed away, that union has kind of withered away. It's not there anymore. Everyone's separate when you first meet the family. And it's a really sad place because for the children, that was their sense of identity as well. And so... We also discussed, okay, when we do this Bharanathyam piece, when they perform, what are the mudras? What are the, what is the choreography? Each tiny little step, what does that say about them as a relationship with their mother? What does it say about them as where they are, the skill level of what they would be? And also being away from their mother for not having their mother around for nine months. What would it also mean for the, the type of choreography their mother would have taught them as well. And then we started looking into, okay, with Carly and Shiva's Dandu, this is two characters, but it's also their Atma as Carly and Shiv coming in unison. And then you, I won't give away too much, but the way that Shakti appears in that and, and brings them together is really a, quite a pivotal moment. And I watched that so many, it's one of, it is my most favourite part of the film because one, it reminds me of my mother. Two, it's just I, sometimes I don't know whether to watch or whether to close my eyes and meditate or, and just feel it. It is just so profound. Like I think those that are non-Hindu will watch it and they'll, they'll see it as a beautiful film, a beautiful moment and very emotional. But those that are Hindu will really understand what that means and how and will feel how Shakti appears. And so that's one thing that I wanted to have that come through as well. And it's also talking like we, we explained before, is that Bharanathyam is yoga. It's, it's, it's another version of yoga. So, and it's in a connection in the union to the, to the divine. And, and, and that's what we wanted to bring through there as, as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, when we were making this film, it's not just about the end result. I was making sure that we, I created documents that were um, approved by Yogacharyas and elders and Bhadanathyamacharyas as well to go, yes, okay, you can, you can show this to your cast and crew. So I wanted the cast and crew to know this is the history. This is where it came from. This is why this is important. I remember getting a comment going, wow, it's a lot more complicated than I thought. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I remember that scene very much, the one that you're speaking of. And I mean, I think I, I cried through a big chunk of the film, but I definitely, you know, that la moment, it 
hugged on some heartstrings and I definitely had tears coming down my eyes. It was, it was very powerful. Um, so, but I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away because I do want people to see it when the film uh, will eventually be released. Um, but before we, we kind of talk about that, I want to know before people see this, what is it, what is it that you want a person who's uh, a Hindu who's watching this film to walk away with? What is the, you know, the single most important thing that you want them to feel or to remember after they have watched your film? So Namaste Yoga has, um, it was funded by a broadcaster here in Australia, national broadcaster, and it has already played nationally on Australian TV and it's now getting another resurgence again because of the global activity of Namaste Yoga. And it is used by child psychologists, parents, Hindu parents, uh, and teachers around the country, not just for Hindu kids, particularly for Hindu kids, it's helping them, but also for children of color as well, that it actually helps them to ground themselves to feel some self-worth. It helps them to reconnect back to who they really are, to not feel ashamed of who they really are. And one of the most important things that it's doing, and this is one of the main reasons that I wanted to create it, was there's a generate, there's always, it all happens in every generation. There's a generational gap between parents, elders, youth, and children. This film opens up a conversation with children and youth because what is happening is children and youth, the majority of them have been watching them, have been watching it, and they're very quiet. Or they, as parents can sense something is different. And it opens up a conversation for parents to go, so what did you think? Did, did something like this happen to you or, you know, what did you think of it? And sometimes the kids don't want to talk about it because it has happened to them and they're triggered by it. And so um, you need to give them their space to be able to process that and come back to them. But it is a good opportunity where the children actually go, well, yeah, it's happening to me now or it has happened to me. And parents will be like, okay, so how, how does that make you feel? One of the things that we did was that we had a child psychologist who was Indian who was also Hindu as part of this entire production. So she stayed with the kids and we, we made sure she met with the kids in case they were triggered by anything or even when it was released, if they were bullied, we would have protocols in place to remove it off air so the kids were protected at all times. And she actually gave me this feedback that she came to at the premiere in Australia, she came to the premiere with her mother and she, mind you, she's like in her early 20s, so she came with her mother to watch it. And she had faced similar issues like this when she was growing up. And on the drive home, she said, we were just quiet. We didn't talk. And then she goes, after I, I was still processing it. And then after I processed it, my mother could tell something wasn't right. She said, oh, you okay? And she goes, I started talking about all the issues I had as a child. And she goes, for the first time I ever talked to my mother about these issues. And she understood what I was talking about. So hopefully it brings our kids, our youth, and our parents closer together. It brings our community closer together. I'm finding particularly those that have got to watch, like a couple of Hindu organisations have got to watch it, particularly the youth and children feel like it's a healing process for them and it is a profoundly deep healing experience for them. And so I want the community to be able to watch this and find some solace in their heart and find some solace that, there's so much 
you know, it, it's an onslaught of negative things that we have to go through. And sometimes it just becomes so much. Take the time to enjoy this. Take the time to watch it with your children and enjoy it. Take the time to watch it for yourself and enjoy it. Uh, because it is a profound moment of healing that you'll feel through this as well. So that's hopefully what everyone will take away from. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And namaste and um, pranam to all of our community. Like this is a CLR for you. And so we made this for you. Well, that's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please take a minute and leave us a nice five-star review. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate. Thanks again for listening.